One of the great curveball pitchers in the history of baseball, Burt Blylevin. Uh, why do I mention him? Because we're throwing you a bit of a curve today, coming to you at 1.30. Dan Nathan, Guy Adami, market call. Just a few minutes. Carter Braxtonworth will be joining us. Dan and I flew in from Miami. That's not why we have pushed it back to 1.30. We have pushed it back for obvious reasons, because we're going to hear from our friends at the Federal Reserve in just a few brief minutes. This market call, Dan, brought to you by Fact set financial data and analytics that are powered by tomorrow. They are also our data provider. And of course, CME Group, Dan, where risk meets opportunity. And they are our friends here. You know, it's funny, you know, guy, like I just, when I see, when I hear you say our friends over the Fed, I'm just thinking of you just being um, as about as sarcastic as you can mm. be. There was no smirk there um, by any means. And I could just see, you know, that song, Why Can't We Be Friends, right? I, I mean, do remember like, that song. I think yeah. it came out like 1976, 77, if I'm okay. not mistaken. I have to go back and look. You know what? It, it, it had to be 76 or 77. I'm going to tell you why. It was in the movie. You ready for this? Dazed and Confused, which was uh -huh. meant to take place, which was meant to take place on the graduation week of a high school class in Austin, Texas in 1976. And they talk about, remember the teacher says to him when she's like some hippie teacher and she says to all the kids, it's the last day of school, the bell rings and they're all running out. And she goes, remember what you're celebrating here? Um, you know what I mean? But it was the bicentennial. You probably remember that bicentennial pretty well. I, we had bicentennial garbage cans, you know, believe really? it or not, back in the day. And we had actual, you know, garbage cans but this is completely off the rails the wait, fact wait, that wait, i even was on, able to on, pull that on. 76 wait, wait. 77 though I mean, in a movie in a movie that came out okay in 1972 what was the best use of a garbage can as a weapon that you could possibly remember well come on stop it i mean that was the great obviously sonny corleone who beat the shit out of carlo and Correct. deservedly Correct. so by the way uh if you notice sonny had like a bat or some sort of stick in his hand which he used as a prop but if you watch um, a couple things that are out there now, the offer yeah. being one of them, the truth be told, Sonny actually did. James Khan, Jimmy Khan, as his friends called yeah. him, actually did beat the shit out of uh, Carlo Rusi, as they yeah. say. And for, right, again, yeah, are, for good we, reason. Sorry, Dan. You no, brought no, it up. I, yeah. I brought it up. And, and you it's hate, you're, you're like, why did I do that? It, no, it's an amazing, an amazing scene. All right. It, there's a lot going on here today. Um, I, you know, it's funny. You know, we've been talking about this, like, I feel like for like a week or two, we've been tracking the CME FedWatch tool here. And it's basically been a near certainty for weeks now that the Fed is going to go 25 basis points here. Um, obviously, if we look out to the March meeting, it looks like a very strong likelihood hood of the same so fed funds is going to get to that um five percent or so and it's funny because the market the stock market has been rallying into it guy it just doesn't seem to do you think there's any chance and and again we're going to be here when that announcement comes out um obviously this tool is saying there's no chance that there's 50 okay but like what what would happen if if fed chair pal if the headline is the fed raises 50 basis points yeah, the, I, the market's not going to enjoy that at all. And I think there would be people screaming how so out of touch the Fed is and how they're they're amplifying a prior mistake with a new mistake. And I think you would see a chorus of, of just resounding boos on the back of it. I don't think it's going to happen. I will tell you, you can make a pretty cogent argument that it should happen, but I don't think it will. It's all going to be about the Q&A and how he answers questions. Um yeah. And what the market, listen, again, how the market interprets it. The fact that we've rallied as strongly as we have, and we talked about it the last couple of days down in Miami, is interesting. But we've also had, again, Mike Wilson came on Fast Money last night and reiterated his stance. 
and saying a lot of the things that we've been saying. Again, not suggesting that Mike watches by any stretch of the imagination. You know, he's echoing some of the things that we've said and vice versa for sure. But his point was, why would they, um, at this point, why would they sort of take their foot off the accelerator? There's no reason to do it because, quite frankly, financial conditions, as Danny Moses has pointed out, or as loose as they've been in quite some time, as counterintuitive as that might sound. Yeah. All right. So last night, speaking of our good friend, Danny Moses, who you've seen portrayed in the big short, mm, um, Michael Burry, Dr. Michael J. Burry. I think he's Cassandra B. C. Whatever on the Twitter here. He doesn't tweet often, but what he does, he, he's pretty good. He, it's like it's like he's paying for each character guy when he tweets here. And then there's obviously and then they expire. You know, he like deletes his tweets. So yeah. last night he tweets this sell period. That's it. Nothing else to talk about. Um, he had a tweet last week, kind of similar sentiment here. The market's kind of climbed this wall of you know what here. Um, what do you when you see a tweet like that? What do you what do you think, guy? Well, I, you know, the succinctness is what sort of grabs me. Yeah. If he's paying by the character, there's no reason to use a period at the end of sell. I think if you're going to use something, it should be an exclamation point. But you know, I think he has been pretty clear in his views, and he's been somewhat tactical as well over the last few months. But you know, when he sees something like that, this is a guy who historically said he really can't time things. Well, in some ways, a tweet of that, you know, brevity is exactly what he's doing. He's trying to time something. So we'll yeah. see. I mean, right now the market's down with 300 or so Dow points. The S&P is not nearly as bad down, what, 15 or so handles. So we're just sort of treading water here into this into this commentary. But you know, at 4,100 in the S&P, and as Marco Kalanovic has said, and, and I'm sort of paraphrasing, the soft landing has been priced into the market yeah. at these levels. The soft landings already. So, you know, what's the opposite of that? Or, you know, again, if the Fed is going to continue to talk in extraordinarily hawkish ways, you know, where do we go from here? If the market, dis- if, if the market for a reason decides it doesn't want to listen, as you say all the time, Dan, have at it, people. Yeah. Well, I, I listen on a day like today. You know, why is the Dow down the way it is? I mean, look at some of these energy names. Um, look at crude oil down three percent. Um, you know, we're seeing the Nasdaq kind of holding in there. But if you think about just what some of the inputs we talk about this all the time, that is a good you know tailwind for equities. It's okay. So we have you know cons- we have basically inflation readings coming down. We have crude oil down. We have you know uh, yields down. We have the Dixie down. You know, I mean, there's a lot of things that are supportive of equity equities here i guess to your point though it really does come down to what are the expectations for the fed will they kind of hint to some sort of pivot um later on you've made this point um quite succinctly uh over the last few weeks i mean the the strength in the market the strength in some of the worst crap in the stock market doesn't make the jobs uh the, the job of the fed that much easier let's look at the s p 500 the futures here guy because again we stopped drawing that downtrend because you know it as carter would say it kind of draws itself here and if you look at that level, it's kind of contending with that that December high. You see that uptrend that's been in place since October. It's a brief one. There was two tests of that, right, in late December and then early January. Um, you see the 200-day down there at 39.60. Um, that is in the futures here. Thoughts? Because you know what, man? I want to kind of sell the futures here, like right or in and around this level, 40.68 or so. And, and maybe you just use a 4,100 or so stop to the upside here if you're trading the futures. And again, if you're trading them and you're playing for a move back towards that uptrend, which I think seems like perfect sense if they end up being a bit more hawkish than some people expect, you know, you're kind of risking, what, what do you want to call it? 35 points to the upside, but you're mm-hmm. playing for a move da- back down towards 
3900 yeah and th- you know that move to the upside if in fact we are we are wrong and the market interprets or it is in fact dovish will be ver- will be fast and it'll i'm sure it'll take a lot of people myself included off guard and you know it it potentially could take us to levels we saw back in august i think it was 4280 or 4300 or thereabouts and then we'll have another conversation but yeah. you know i think you're right in terms of risk reward through the futures which is what we do for cme group here I think that's the exact right trade. I mean, I think you understand what you're risking. And quite frankly, if we break that uptrend line, then you could probably press your shorts, you know, sell weakness, which is sort of level two stuff. But that's not a bad way to trade these either. Yeah. And then the other one, if we just want to look at the NASDAQ, the E-minis, the 100, uh, the NDX uh, futures here. I mean, if you look at this, we're back above um, those December highs were above that 200 day. I mean, we just drew a, a fairly arbitrary line there, but just kind of showing that we're kind of, you know, at, at, at some some resistance here, however you want to look at it. And, um, you know, I have a put position on in the QQQ. We talked about it last week and I'm looking for a move back towards 260. But again, in the futures, you know, you would probably, you know, I, I kind of offered a level in which I would have done. I would have gotten stopped out. I'm already here, but you want to take small losses here. You want to keep probing those sorts of levels, definitely in the futures. And that's one of the reasons why um, the stops work really well. Guy, let's talk about yields here. We talked about it a little bit, I think, on the market call um, the other day. Um, You know, this three and a half level in the 10 year, it just seems like a really interesting one. It's you have to go back, what, to kind of those June highs Mm -hmm. there. And maybe it's just a nice round number here, but it's been kind of banging around a little bit and you see that 200 day is down there at 334 um it really feels heavy it feels like we're going to test it and you don't think it doesn't really matter what the fed says here the 10 year might be going in a different direction than what they're doing with fed funds they, they don't control the they don't control this portion of the as much as they like to think they control everything they don't and the market forces will control this so the way the what i've been again positing is if the market were to sell off you'd see a flight to quality and the back of uh, bonds, which would take yields lower. And by the way, you know, this the data we got this morning, I mean, some of the manufacturing data continues to be extraordinarily soft, which again, should be supportive of TLT. In other words, yields continue to go down from there. And as I talked about last night, a number of times on this show, you know, I'm still one of these people that believe we're going to an inversion of negative 1%, whatever the form is, three and a quarter, four and a quarter, you know, three forty four, something like that. So yeah. I guess my point is, I think, Tenure yields are going down quickly um, because we have a little bit of time before we bring Carter in. We we met a lot of people in Miami. We were down there. It was an f- incredible conference. I, Dan, I think there were over 3,000 people registered for this thing. And the Fountain Blue in South Beach is like Las Vegas in Miami. It's it's crazy place. It was beautiful. But a couple of people came up to us. And one gentleman came up to us and said, hey, I just want to say hi. My son's a big fan. I mentioned that because Eric Lancelotti is here. And Dan... He, he put you put this up dazed and confused guy landing in Miami trying to call an Uber, which got to tell you something. That's exactly right, Dan, because I didn't call an Uber. I got in a cab. Yeah, no, no. I think I was on, oh, I was on the pot. Hey, you know, thanks for listening to our Monday edition of On the Tape because I was recording it with Liz Young and you texted me, okay, while I was doing the recording. You were like, landed, explanation point, all excited. I was like, do you know how to use Uber? Do you remember that? And you yeah, were like, I no. I said, you need me to send you. I, I have no idea to this day how you got from the airport. Maybe you did it the old-fashioned way. You called cab. a taxi or something Taxi like cab. That. All right, fair enough. Um, they got to make a living, too. I mean, well, you let, know, let, they're waiting for people. Up, and... 
let let's throw up the 210 spread for a second here because again you know when you think about all those sorts of things that have been easing as we've been talking mm-hmm. about that have kind of mean reverted in a way and this is a 10-year chart of that i mean you know it, it it is kind of interesting it's one of those things that we didn't spend a whole heck of a lot of time talking about it did it did briefly invert 2019 and i think the idea here is that almost every recession in the last 60 years or so guy has been preceded by an inversion of the yeah. 210 spread and you know interestingly a lot of people will tell you oh that brief inversion in 19 well that didn't really count because it was a black swan event right in 2020 that caused well it happened i mean you know and here it is this thing can't even get out of its own way i mean to your point so you're saying fed's going to stay pat at least that that's what this is saying with that fed funds which is going to keep that two-year elevated but the 10-year is really reflective of growth and, and, and that's again, the problem and that's the pro that's one of the many problems that they face right and yeah. you know they'll they'll start to you know brian kelly used to bring things like this up you know they'll start to do like yield controls that you've seen in japan yield curve control i mean all kinds of crazy stuff none of, by the way none of it works i mean at the end of the day the market will win and i think that's what we're seeing right now I mean, take all the things that we talk about and throw them out the window. And you guys are always bearish and all the bullshit we hear all the time. And just look at the yield curve. I mean, you t- if somebody can make a cogent argument as to why in a 75 or so basis point 210 inversion is bullish, as you say, again, have at it, people. By the way, to your point, there's no mean reversion here. I mean, this thing yeah. did get to about 50 or so basis points for a brief period of time, but it's headed right back down. And I still think softer data in the economy means yields go lower, sticky inflation and that jobs, you know, I mean, all the job openings, again, just makes their job that much more difficult means a two year stays bid. So you tell me what happens. Hey, I got to say, you know, first of all, you people, you're, you're getting you're getting guy in a good day here. He got in Monday morning. Like we said, we did a couple pods on Monday. We had a bunch of stuff at this conference late night, um, you know, Monday night. Then we were on stage three different times. Each one of us did a pod there late night last night. We were on an early flight this sushi morning here. last night. And here, yeah, we did. And here we are doing this. So guy guy is fit to be tied here, but he's, you know, and then he's going to find his way into the set of fast money here at five o'clock. Um, so good on you guy. Uh, that's a lot of effort here. You know, one thing I, I wanted to mention, and let's bring Carter in here in a second. Um, you know, there's two things in two earnings reports that came out this week, and we're going to update my cat trade from Monday. In, Nicely in a done, by here. the way. Well, you know, got, got, got a little support from you on that one too. Um, but EA, you know, this is a company we talked about in fast money last night. Maybe you guys can throw up the chart here. This is a company that obviously saw a lot of the benefits of the pull forward, the pandemic, that sort of thing. This chart and the stock never went crazy the way some of these other things. The valuations never got crazy. But the company last night, okay, warned, and they had something to say about the consumer. And this stock, which is trading, you know, 16 times or something, is down 12%. And then some of this other crap, you know what I mean, has rallied after giving disappointment. So it's just kind of interesting to me. Look at that gap. I mean, it's taken out that whole thing. Thought there, and then the cat comment, and this is one that I said, I think I said it just like this on Fast Money last night, was not on my bingo card, okay? After the rally that stock has had, they said the China orders were weak. I mean, mm-hmm. this is a company that gets less than temper. So there's a couple of things there that are speaking to the potential for a weakness in the economy on things that may, you might not expect. The consumer, yes, not China with a reopening. Could not be more diametrically opposed companies in terms of you know where they are, their touch points. I mean, EA, you'd said it and mentioned, mentioned weakness in the consumer. And we said last night, you, I think, echoed some of the comments we had. Look, there's going to be an opportunity to buy this stock, but it's not here, meaning where we were trading in the after hours last night. But now, again, probably another six or seven percent. 
it's going to get interesting, actually. And if you put that EA chart up yeah. real quick before we go to the cat chart, you'll see where we potentially get down to that spike down. I think it was, if I'm not mistaken, is it May or so of last year? I mean, that's yeah. where we sort of bottom. Wherever that comes in, it comes in. Caterpillar, nice trade by you. We said that that blow off top, we probably see a back and fill to the prior all-time highs, which were about 242. If you want to throw a Caterpillar chart up and take a look at that, you'll see exactly what we're talking about. You go back to the spring, 242 high. We blew through it. The back yeah. and fill will take us right to the 200-day moving average, probably-ish. And this becomes a really nice trade. So well done, Dan. Nathan. All right, real quickly, guys, just throw up that slide here. So this is on Monday. The stock was trading, you know, 263 or 264, something like that. We looked at February expiration. The trade was the 260, 240 put spread. Cost about a five, a five bucks. That was basically, you know, a quarter of the width of that guy. You like the levels getting back towards the lower end of that spread. Here's the deal. Right now with the stock down here at 247-ish or so, that – put spread is worth about ten and a half dollars so if you paid five dollars for it it's more than a double i think you just kind of take that that money and run right here because again that's a good little trade into an event who knows what's going to happen mm -hmm. with the fed here um and then the other thing is it's like people have been coming in and buying these names on weakness here so again this is just a little options trade we we're targeting um this event all right we have been keeping carter braxton worth oh, i'm sorry uh, waiting i know no, i know i know, I know. Carter, it, it is. You, you, I know you have a lot of important things to do. Let's bring him in here. Worth charting. What's up, Carter? Sorry What's about up, that, guys? my man. How you doing? Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah we, we had yeah, a good yeah, one. Down nice there. pictures. And I, again, I, I I was down there on Thanksgiving, that exact same spot. So I, I uh, think of it fondly when I see a picture just a couple months later. Yeah. Anyway, um, no, no, so, it, it, dude, Carter, it, it is like a bull market. I mean, there, like I said, there were. 3,300 people. These are asset allocators, okay, and fund managers. And it was, guy, it, it felt like something that should have been out of the big short, too. You know what I mean? No when question. I mean, it's like, it's like there's no recession, no COVID, no nothing. That, that place has never been busier, I'm sure. And by the way, Carter, before we get to you, there's a hallway that probably has 30 or so yeah, large, large photographs of the great Frank Sinatra with some other of my favorites, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin, et al., I could have spent four hours just staring at those pictures. Back to you, Dan. Yeah. All right, Carter, talk to us a little bit. You heard what we we're saying about the markets here. We're looking at S&P futures and NASDAQ futures here. We have that VIX that's kind of holding on for dear life just around 20. Um, you know, just qu quick thoughts here. We don't have to talk about the charts. Just kind of what sure. your thought I is. Mean, and what, are, what What's some of the vibe that you're getting? You talk to a lot of kind of big institutions here. I know that you've been saying you want to fade, you know, those charts in the major indices. Are you getting pushback? Well, I mean, you know, it's funny because there's so many different players uh, with so many different mandates. Um, the, the, the biggest conversations are around the dollar, around mm -hmm. rates. And then to some extent, you know, the market's always. But I would say that you know, the most curious thing, and that's the word, look at today, right? Generally weak. And yet two of the most cyclical areas of the market are up huge. Semiconductors up huge and the Dow Jones Transportation Average up yeah. 2%. Now, yet they both have idiosyncratic circumstances. The Dow Transport 20 stocks is a price-weighted index. And so the biggest stock, up $360, your ODFL at earnings, and it's up big, which is influencing, right, of course, uh, the move in the transports. And then we know that there was the move out of um, uh, AMD. And so you have that move that's idiosyncratic in the stocks. 
But it, it does make you wonder, right? I mean, if things were so poor and we are heading to uh, a recession or a softness of some kind, whether it's soft landing, all these words that, that are so adored but maybe meaningless, how in the hell right, right. do you have AmeriExpress gapping up on its earnings and ODFL, a trucker, gapping up on its earnings and um, uh, advanced micro devices? So it's ever thus. It's a, it's a hard game. It's not annuities work we're doing. And you, you take your chances. You get them wrong. You move on. Um, my bias remains that we're not headed off to the races and that one is right to take a cautious view. Maintain it. No doubt. Hey, real quickly, can you guys throw up an XLE chart here? Because, guy, we were talking about this a little bit on the set of Fast Money the other day, and you know that Chevron conversation we had before their earnings. It was Thursday mm -hmm. night, and we know that we had Exxon's early this morning and uh, or the other morning, yesterday morning, I think. And you know, it's interesting. I was like, that's seventy-five billion. And Carter, you were on that night. We were talking about it too. It felt like, man, someone just rang the bell at the top. What do you before we get to your nat gas trade? What, what do you think of this right here? Because um, again, you know, it just feels like that. That, that one headline maybe encapsulates, like we might look back, guy, what do you say? Like, you got to footnote that thing? You, you know what I mean? A little post-it note, that triple mm -hmm. M thing. Yeah, you'd look for days like that. You know, a lot of these days blend into, um, you know, the next. And then once in a while, something happens where you say, okay, bookmark that because six months will come back. And to your point, you said at the time, I think you said it on Fast Money that night that we started with the Chevron conversation, Dan. Yeah. You know what? This is one of those things you to look back and say they rang the bell. And right now, that's looking extraordinarily prescient. What? what yeah. What? What's your take, Carter? When you look at that chart here, is there? Is there? You don't believe in triple tops, right? That's not no, a thing. I mean, look, it's. It's. It, there's no magic to these. It's just that where their transactions took place, and when you get to a, a reference point where shares changed hands, literally the expression, people from the prior time are looking to either book gains or be made whole, and so yeah. it's how you behave. At inflection points and the inability to get through a former high is inherently difficult. So I would say this way, it takes a lot of buying pressure to move any security to a new high, not just every day to a new high, but through well-defined past highs. And for now, it's churning at the former high. Weakness from here would start to make it clear that it's a top, triple top, however you want to characterize it. But right now, it's just perfectly normal backing and filling, I would characterize yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, fair fair enough. All right, but you had a uh, on, on worth charting. Um, I think it was yesterday. I saw the note. There was a lot of charts. You're going to walk us through it. You're making a call on Nat Gas, and this thing, you know, is one that was such a focus right a year ago at this time when we were bracing for the Russian invasion mm -hmm. of Europe and what that meant. And 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 again, I think that was one of the things that really caused some other things in the in the markets here to go haywire a little bit. But you want to make a call right here. Walk us through this thing. So when you have and it's it's important to say this right when when you have a consensus view from wall street these are just men and women too despite their expertise who have a high error rate it's right to go the other way wall street when we invaded ukraine oil went to 140 and they published 200 dollars a barrel look at it now mm -hmm. wall street said china was uninvestable look at it now what we're having now is the equal and opposite moment they love that gas at the high and now they hate it and so from time to time, not just to be contrary, it's right to just pivot and go the other way. Let's look at some of these charts and, and try to figure it out. I can I can roll through these quite quickly. So this is the natural gas traded on the NYMEX, right? But it's the continuous contract, right? Because contracts expire and then the new one, and they try to sort of string those together. Now, this is a chart with, there's the 150-day. And now look at 
how far below? We are 60% below the 150-day. You could say, so what? That's a lot. But let's look at it in a different time frame. Now let's go to 10-year charts. And we'll move more quickly. No 150-day. Now we put the 150-day in. And now we put the percentage below. 60% compared to the lows in 15 and 16. Let's go a little longer term. Now we go to 03. We had a 20-year chart. Now let's put in the 150-day. Now let's put in the percent decline below the 150-day. You're getting to a record here. Let's do the all data chart. This is it. It goes back to 1990 on Bloomberg anyway. Um, all data, put the 150-day in, put the percent below in. Now, one could say, okay, great, maybe it's going to go. It's just extreme, right? And so my thinking is you play for a, for a bounce. Now, there's one or two other iterations here just for fun. Look at this other way to draw the line. Now, there's no, and then how much of a decline is this? So, this is a five-month, 74% decline. This has nothing to do with the 150 moving average, the actual peak to present decline. Look at the other ones. I mean, you're getting into record stuff. So there is a, an ETF. Now, there's it's dangerous. UNG has decay, right, because they have to hold the front month. They have to buy it in and then uh, sell it, excuse me, and buy the next one. But if you get it right, you'll get a nice pop here. So here's one way to draw the lines. Let's put in the 150-day. Let's show the percent decline. And... Then the way I do the lines, final iteration, we're at the prior low. Can we go this, a little lower? Yeah. Okay. But at some point, you, you, yeah. you, you, now, if it's wrong, you get out. But you've got to make trades. Uh, I think you don't have to do anything, but I think this is a tradable moment. Four-year chart with the moving average, and you've seen for the majority of that time, we've been within earshot. Now you're talking, and we, we, we use terms like this all the time. This is like a three-standard deviation move away from the moving average, which is something we haven't seen in probably half a decade or so, if not longer. And it's everything is trading. You know, I'm look. I'm just, as we get into this um, announcement, I'm reading some of these comments. It's, it's really staggering to me. You know, you bears and blah, 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 blah. You missed a 10 year move. It's just, it's, so what are you doing? If listen, what are you doing watching us then? Go somewhere else. I mean, I'm sure you have better things to do with your time. I mean, being honest with you, I mean, I'll call you out by name, this Andrew Jones guy or James, I mean, you know, go, you know, do yourself a favor. Go maybe get engaged in a game of checkers with somebody. Maybe that's something you can win. With that said, Carter, I'm with you on this one. I mean, you got to trade the extremes, and this is clearly an extreme to the downside. Yeah. And, the, you know, the one thing I would just say is like when you talk about the decay built into an ETF like the UNG, I mean, if you wanted to play for a, a near term bounce, and I think that's your point, I mean, there are options that, um, that trade on it here. But again, you know, you, you need big moves to kind of make money out. Just to give you a sense, the February nine calls, okay, um, are offered at about 55 cents. So your break even would be up nearly a dollar, right? Up 55 cents if you were to buy those calls. Now you're defining your risk to, you know, less, what is that, five, 6% or something like that um, of the stock price um, or the ETF price in this case, but I don't know. All right. Well, we got some excitement here, Carter. I, we, we really appreciate you being with, uh, with us here, man. And, and we'll take a closer look and we'll track this UNG trade because I feel like you, it's about to turn here. So thanks so much for being here with us, bud. All right. Talk soon. Bye guys. Thanks, bro. Bye. So we're getting right, into the nitty gritty here. I mean, you know, it's, we'll see the reaction at two, but it's obviously the reactions that typically we get the interesting ones coming during the Q and a, but we'll stick around for a few minutes here, Dan, but you know, and people make a good point. I should really not focus on the negative comments because there are a lot of good comments and they're right, but it's just so interesting to see some of these people. It's incredible. I mean, yeah. You know, we're doing our best to help people. We're not, we're not, we have no dogma here. We have no ax to grind. I mean, when things, when pear-shaped most of last year, 
you know, we talked about it. And quite frankly, there were two rallies last year, one in June and one in October that we actually to the day talked about as well. So, you know, we're going to be I'm going to be wrong a lot. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. But here we are anyway. All right, here we go, Dan. This guy, here we go, repeats, ongoing rate increases will moderate uh, or will be appropriate. Excuse me, will be appropriate. Raises benchmark rate 25 basis points. We knew that. Says inflation has eased somewhat, but there's a but, guy. There's a mm -hmm. but, okay, uh, but remains elevated. I mean, listen, they're going to the, – the, 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 the statement is, is, is hawkish, right? And so it really comes down to what you said is uh, what do they have to say in the presser? What are some of the questions? Um, and he's going to be asked. I mean, like, you know, when he says they remain appropriate, they're going to. So, so now we're going to get into the semantics about what the what the meaning of appropriate right. is. Guy. You want to do that? that meaning? It's the old Goldman Sachs thing. You know, each word has meaning and they choose these words carefully. I'm actually interested to see what the TLT does on the yeah. back of this. You know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 it's it's a, it's a complete crapshoot these things i mean i would think again given the data that we saw you're going to see tlt go higher but i think the knee jerk is probably it just went a little bit lower i mean that's why it's really sometimes we play this game on fast money all the time if you had told me yesterday all the things that have come out and how to trade it i mean it's best to coin flip sometimes because the market can do really strange things but i think you're right the the, the it seems as though there was a hawkish tone to it but quite frankly, the market doesn't seem to be responding in it because when I when I think this thing started, the S and P was down 15 handles. I think it's down 15 handles now. Yeah, it is about that. So, um, all right, let's just uh, go through this trade really quickly. Maybe um, uh, we want to look at uh, GE here. So, yesterday we were on stage down at the I Connections Global Alternatives Conference. We did a live podcast that some of you guys who are here right now might have watched. Yesterday we had Danny Moses who's our co-host of On The Tape. We also had Jim Chanos of Chanos & Associates. Um, Jim was on Fast Money Guy also with us on Monday. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's funny, you know, he's obviously known for some kind of, you know, fancy shorts. The Enron was a big one. He uncovered that fraud. He's been in Tesla for a while. He talks about a lot of other... Um, DraftKings. Yeah, well, a lot, a lot of meme stocks, that sort of thing. He's kind of, you know, Carvana was another big one with him. But this was interesting. He said that he's got a short in GE. So maybe Jacob can run that uh, that tape here. It's not a name that's been on my radar, but we were talking about the rotation out of mega cap tech, right, into some of these industrials, these cyclicals, and he thinks there's some great opportunities here. Now, GE, he just thinks, is also a name that kind of plays fast and loose kind of with their accounting, I think, to some degree. So, Jacob, let's run that tape from uh, from yesterday. GE's a poster child for what I was talking about. So uh, they are splitting up. They split up their healthcare unit. GE puts out a press release. And one of my big things is the, the reliance on pro forma metrics. I think a lot of corporate fraud is happening right in front of your very eyes by abuse of pro forma um, accounting metrics. GE's press releases are anywhere from you know 15 to 30 pages of adjustments. Um, and and GE's a good example of what we talked about. It is basically up 60, 70 percent uh, as earnings estimates have come down. Venerable GE right now is trading on our numbers at 20 times EBITDA for 2023 and 40 to 50 times declining earnings. That's GE, mm -hmm. right? And 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 with all and that's with all the adjustments, uh, they barely made any money last year in, on a gap basis, and and. So people are, are I, I don't know exactly what they're looking at in some of these companies, but they're not looking at the financial statements.
Yeah. And that's something we've been saying for a while. And when he used the word venerable, he was just repeating what I said. So, you know, I just want to be clear. You know, I don't think he feels they're venerable. I use that term. But again, he's pointing out the, the just the absurdity in some of the valuations here that people yeah. seem to look past. He does the rigorous work without question. And look, he'll say it all the time. I mean, his timing is not always spot on. Same way Michael Burry's. Same way our timing sucks at times, but it's not like we don't do the work behind it. The market always, by the way, has a way of making even the most well-prepared person look really dumb, something I can speak to uh, almost on a daily basis. Yeah, so that got me thinking, you know, this is the sort of thing he's not putting his finger on any event or any reason why the stock should kind of reverse. You know, we were talking about, you know, the move that the stock has made and it just doesn't make a whole heck of a lot of sense. And I think that this would be a name that could get hit really hard if the S&P were to kind of come back in and people were inclined to take some profits. I mean, this stock guy at, at its lows in September, um, at the end of September, early October was like $48. Okay, so to me, this is one where I want to use options. I want to define my risk. I want to be a bit contrarian here. Um, and I want to look out to March expiration, giving some time for this to play out. Again, they're not going to report earnings um, for a while, I think until late April. So today when the stock was trading on 81.50, it's a little below that. Um, now you could look at the March 80. 70 put spread it would cost you about two dollars buying one of the march 80 puts for about two dollars and fifty cents selling one of the march 70 puts at about 50 cents so again that max risk is two dollars what was interesting to me about it when the stock was 81 and a half is like normally you would like expect something kind of that near the money to be a quarter of the width of the spread so it was a little less than a quarter of the width and so if uh you paid two dollars for this you had profits between uh of up to eight dollars between 78 and 70 with a max gain of eight dollars below 70 and then you would have loss of up to two dollars between 78 and 80 with a max loss of two above 80 what i really like is that that risk reward i'm risking about two and a half percent of the stock price i have break even um down about 4.3 percent and i have a max potential profit of four times the premium I have at risk. So again, I'm keying off Jim's take on this thing. I listen when he shorts things, he's not trading things. He's looking longer term and he's waiting for things to play out. This is about a month and a half here. And so as always, you know, I would use about a 50% mental stop. So if I paid two and the stock was going against me, going higher or going sideways and this thing was decaying, I'd look to cut this thing. If it was only worth a dollar, we do not want to see um, puts, put spreads, calls, call spreads, long premium directional things go to zero in our trading books here. So that's how I'm playing Jim's call on GE. What do you think of that trade? Makes guy? sense. I think to your point, you're actually taking advantage of what seems to be some pretty reasonable vol in this. And, you know, if you're, if you're going to be right, and I think you have enough time to do this, you know, I think this one could pay off nicely. The Caterpillar trade only took a couple of days and that worked out really well. So I like what you're doing, and I'm glad Jim brought it to our attention yesterday. We got a five thousand, unless you got something else, Dan. Because no, I got, that's good. I mean, listen, I got I'll a just, car waiting for me. I know you're going into I fast. Come into the city. Well, we hung it. Look, as you know, as it turns out, the absurdity of the whole thing is that I think we're exactly where we were here at two oh seven is where we were when we started this thing. So I mean, well, again, there's still some time left in the press. We'll see how it shakes out. Um, but that's it for today's market call. I want to thank FactSet. Financial data and analytics powered by tomorrow. CME Group, where risk meets opportunity. Thank 98% of our audience who are always amazing. Thank you so much. Carter Braxton Worth, without question. I'm going to read this so my, my eyes will look away. Uh, join FactSet and us, Risk Reversal, for a 30-minute virtual event to discuss the outlook for earnings, energy, and ESG, the triple E's, in 2023. We'll be joined by the man himself, Butters. 
as well as Matthew Haggerty and Eli Reisman. The live stream is on February 8th, which is a week from today, if I'm not mistaken, at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Go to riskreversal.com slash factset 2023. We'll have a link in the description on both YouTube and Dan, your favorite podcast store. We will be back tomorrow, Thursday, February 2nd with EY from SoFi back from Wisconsin. Dan, I'll see you later. See you later. Thanks. Thanks.